Our second scripture reading today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, last week we spoke about the prophet Jonah. And I told you in my call story, this is the person from Scripture who I related the most. The person who got, heard God's call and ran as fast as they could, as far as they could, in the opposite direction. I first heard God's call when I was graduating high school, and I decided to go to college and major in theater and pre-law and chemistry and logic and a few other things everything but theology and religious arts, and I ran as far as I could in the opposite direction. And because of that, I've always been a little weary of the prophet Isaiah. He's kind of the misfit among the prophets. God calls to Moses to speak to Pharaoh, and Moses says, No, Lord, send someone else, for I cannot speak. God calls to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says, send someone else, I'm just a boy. God calls to Jonah, and Jonah says, forget this, I'm going to Tarshish. God calls to Isaiah, and Isaiah says, here I am, send me. He reminds me of that little kid in class that's always so eager to raise his hand and answer the question. The little girl that can't wait to get called on because she wants to show that she knows so much more than anyone else. 
So I've always taken Isaiah with a little skepticism. But there's no denying of all the prophets, Isaiah is one of the most influential. It might be because there is so much written about Isaiah. It might be because his words were immortalized in Handel's Messiah. That during Advent we turn to Isaiah and we talk about swords beaten into plowshares. And the lion laying down with the lamb. And the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace. But today we start at the beginning with Isaiah. And it's interesting that Isaiah's beginning comes six chapters into the book. And it starts with Isaiah being called into the temple. And the seraphs flying saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Have you ever thought of that? Holy, holy, holy. Is that redundant? Is that exaggeration? If you're like me, half the time when you hear the word holy, you think back to the old Batman and Robin TV show. (laughs) And Robin always came up with something silly, you know, holy practical joke, Batman, or or, holy robbers escaping, Batman, or, or something. But in a way, Robin was using that correctly. Holy means set apart. So if we were out walking outside and we saw a butterfly, we might say a butterfly. But then if we saw a giant butterfly, we might say, holy butterfly. And be right, because that butterfly is set apart. It's ten times as big as a normal butterfly. But then if we saw a giant butterfly that talked, we might say, holy, holy butterfly. Even among butterflies that set apart, this one is set apart. So when the seraphs say, holy, 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 They're showing how far set apart the Lord is. How much separated. How much above the earthly kingdom the realm of heaven is. The seraphs aren't exaggerating. They aren't being redundant. But they're lifting up the specialness of the Lord. They're lifting up how set apart God is. How amazing and special God is. As I read this passage, I realize that this is a worship service. And it models our worship service, or our worship service models it. It starts with a call to worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Just as we start with a call to worship. And then we move in our service to the prayer of confession. When Isaiah says, woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. And just as in our worship service, as we move from confession to forgiveness, so does this passage. For the seraph takes the coal from the altar and touches it to Isaiah's lips and says, now that this has touched your lip, your guilt has departed you. You are forgiven. Believe the good news of gospel. Your sin is gone. After the prayer of confession, 
After the forgiveness, we move to the Word of God. And the Lord says, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then there is the response to God's Word. Just as we respond when we give our offering, when we confess our faith, when we pray, Isaiah responds by saying, Here am I, Lord. Send me. And then just as all of our worship services should end, this ends with Isaiah being sent out into the world, carrying God's truth and God's word with him. So I hope that each Sunday when we leave, we leave carrying God's word and truth with us. One thing that's always fascinated me about this passage, one thing that makes it special is the beginning, what roots it in the year that King Uzziah died. Scholars and theologians love this because it's so hard to place passages sometimes, to date them in time. So many times this past winter I heard you guys talking and telling stories about different times that winter storms had struck the area. And you guys knew from anecdotal information when you were talking about. But I would look confused and no doubt one of you would say, oh, it was the blizzard of 1996. Or it was the year of this storm. And that marks that passage in time. Historians know that King Uzziah died in 742 BCE. So they know exactly when this happened. Exactly when Isaiah was called to be a prophet. Second Chronicles tells us about King Uzziah. It tells us that he started as a good king, a godly king. That he served for five decades. But that he let the power corrupt him. Even so, he was thought well by the people of Judah. And it was a time of prosperity, a time of growth, a time of strength. But all was not well. Outside of the borders of Judah, the Assyrian Empire was building power, was gathering its strength, was becoming a mighty force that would have to be reckoned with. In fact, not 20 or 30 years later, the the Assyrian Empire destroyed the northern kingdom. And they would later conquer Judah, the southern kingdom, and exile the people. But that has yet to happen. So we have this popular king, a king of prosperity, a king of growth, who dies. And all of a sudden, in the kingdom of Judah, there's uncertainty There's fear. There's questions. What will come next? When long-reigning kings died, it was often not clear who would ascend to the throne after them. And the people were feared with doubt. They were filled with doubt and fear. Friends, it's good to know that some things never change. That often when there is a change of leadership... People could be feared with doubt, filled with uncertainty, filled with fear. We had the election for the President of the United States this past week, and in a surprise result, Donald Trump was elected President. 
And it was one of the closest elections I ever remember. It was a virtual tie. I don't know how late you guys stayed up. I was up till probably 3.30 or 4 in the morning watching, waiting for each state to be called, waiting to see what the result would be. Some states still haven't been called because the vote is so close. They still don't know what the popular vote was. We are in a deeply divided nation. Half the people voted for Hillary Clinton. Half the people voted for Donald Trump. We know who our leader will be, but we don't know what that means. You guys were probably surprised when I stood up here this morning instead of getting on the floor and walking around like I've done every other Sunday since I've been here for over two years. Over a hundred times I've preached here and I've always walked the floor. This is, I believe, the first, second time I had a heel injury one Sunday. And that's because I have ripped up and shredded my sermon more times this week than any other week. Any other time I could imagine, I started writing out my sermon and tore it up. At 8.30 this morning, I still wasn't sure exactly what I was going to say. I didn't know how to walk the fine line to, to balance, bringing a message of hope to those that feel like they need to hear a message of hope this morning. And speaking to those who feel that their hope has been answered in Donald Trump. We are a divided people. And there is a, there is a lot of work to be done. We need to find a way to come together. I think it's interesting that it starts with King Uzziah dying and then moves to God on the heavenly throne. I think Isaiah wrote this deliberately to remind us that there's the earthly kingdom and then there's the heavenly kingdom. And that the heavenly kingdom is so far advanced, so far beyond the earthly kingdom. You have King Uzziah who sat on the earthly throne and he died. He's mortal. He passed. And then you have God on the heavenly throne. And the throne filled with smoke and the hem of his robe. Not his robe, but the hem of it filled the temple. And seraph, strange creatures with six wings flew about and attending him. And he was holy, holy, holy. He was set apart, set apart, set apart. As we face this time of uncertainty, we need to remember that. We need to remember that no matter who we voted for, no matter where we stand politically, we worship the holy, holy God. The God who's set apart, the God whose throne cannot even compare to the White House, to the earthly leaders, to the earthly throne. And that is the throne we answer to ultimately. And as God's people, we need to come together. We need to come together and we need to denounce the violence that's come out of the protests in Portland and other cities. We need to come together and we need to denounce the huge uptick in hate crime, 70% increase since the election. We need to say that's not who our president is and that's not who we are. We're better than violent protests. 
were better than hate crimes. Because that's who God calls us to be. So often when the Isaiah text is preached in churches, it's preached when we ordain elders, when we uh, appoint board members, sometimes at baptisms, and it's approached from the sense of call. We are called to do this. We're called to be a pastor. We're called to be an elder. We're called to be a board member. We're called to do this or that. But the word called is not in this passage. The word sent is, who shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Send me. We're not called to do anything. We're called to be sent out. We are in a fractured nation. A broken nation. I've heard families speak to me this week. One family member says, what are we going to do? I can't imagine how this would happen. While the other was so joyful and gleeful that Trump was elected. Neighborhoods divided, families divided, a nation divided. And we need someone to come out and do the hard work of, of starting those difficult conversations. And those conversations can't start with name-calling. Racist, bigot, poor loser, sour grapes. What was Isaiah's confession? I am a person of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. We need to allow our lips to be cleansed. We need to begin the work of having difficult conversations. Our work of remembering that we follow the same God. We need to begin the work of reconciliation so that we can come together as a nation and we could prosper together as a nation. We need to remember that we're one nation under God for all people. So when we hear that cry, when we hear who is going to bring us together, who is going to unite us, we should say, here I am, Lord. Send me. And we should allow ourselves to be sent out into the world, prepared to do God's work, to prepare to do, as Micah said, to love justice, to do kindness, to walk humbly with God. As Jesus said, to do unto others as we would do unto ourselves, to do unto the least of these what we would do unto Christ, to make disciples and baptize in all nations. Friends, the reconciliation needs to begin with us. We need to come together as a people of God and as citizens of this great nation. We need to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Amen.